Hey there, welcome back to another fresh episode on Karashma Connect. Connect with a K where we talk to different people from different walks of life, completely heart to heart. And I'm so happy because on my last edit, I realized that we were about 32 episodes strong. Little did I know when I started that this would be the journey. Thanks to you all for all of that. And thanks to Sharon Fernandez for bringing this new person on my podcast, Priyanka Sarkar from the House of Biori. Why Biori? She tells you in the interview. Why you must choose sustainable, ethically sourced jewellery and how that is a thing in the books and we aren't very aware about it, but how we can be more aware about it and support such brands and how we can build a brand and how a successful journey requires you to kind of know what you don't know. Wondering what I'm talking about? Stay tuned for the interview. Until next time, Karashma Connect. See you soon. I'm really, really looking forward to getting to know more about House of Biori. I'll tell you, I've heard about it several years ago with uh, one of my friends. I think I, I, I vaguely remember her modeling for it or something, and I've heard about it. And back then to now, when Sharon contacted me, I said, wow, that's been a journey. But that's exactly my first question, and I'll dive right in. Tell me about your journey so far. <laughs> See, I think um, Karishma, the journey, I would say, has been a continuous cycle of self-discovery, you know, um, rather, I would say, rediscovery. The journey has been absolutely amazing. You know, I mean, I have been able to decipher, learn, unlearn, relearn, think every day. And the best part with Bury is that there is no same day, uh, next day. Every day is a new day. Every day is a new chapter unfolding. And I think that's amazing. And I think most importantly, over the years, with especially with Biori and with experiences around Biori, the thing that I have learned um, to make peace with is the art of knowing what I don't know, and then using that, and then using that to everybody's advantage. That's so, yeah. I mean, it's it's been an amazing ride. Can you explain that a little bit when you say <laughs> knowing what I don't know? See, um, I mean. Uh, the whole thing of uh, Biori um, uh, germinating was a thought that was seeded in uh, the system for a very long time. I think it was a part of uh, my design years uh, while studying design in the college. And I come from a lineage of art historians, restoration artists, and product designers. So the whole uh, interface with sustainability and, and artisanal led craftsmanship has been there from the childhood. So, and I always had a choice of uh, getting on to starting my own uh, footprint right after the college. And I ch- chose not to do that because I wanted to learn the trade. I wanted to understand every facets of the trade because when you wear that entrepreneurial hat, you know, whether you like it or you don't like it, you really need to multitask in various avenues, yes. at least for the initial few years. Mm. And I'm one person, I hate to depend on somebody else for my deliverable. You know, because for me, I'm a very accountability pro person. So it was very important that I know every angle of the business. And that is, I think God has been very kind that before starting Bury, I was able to give 16 exhaustive years into the corporate side of design, buying and retail, uh, traveling the world, traveling to every possible place in the world that thrives on fashion. Mm-hmm. So that way is, you know, your, your procurement understanding, your supply chain network, your understanding on... Um, product, your understanding on uh, customer sentiments, your understanding of the importance of data and and how analytically you can use that data and forecasting into your decision-making process. All of this came in as a very intrinsic package. Mm -hmm. So when the time came to start on my own, 
I if I didn't know what I'm supposed to be doing, I at least knew what I am not supposed to be doing. That's interesting. Yes, yes. And I, yeah, and with that uh, started off. I get it, and now I understand it better. And I think I completely agree. You always, I always thought this myself. I felt like you have to go across the board to kind of come and understand this is the board I'm on. You know, then that's you very important. Have, yeah. Completely agree and resonate with that. Tell me, what was the need that kind of kind of factored into you starting up House of Buyer? You know, we have a lot of fashion brands and a lot of artisan brands, but what was your need factor there? I think uh, after being in the corporate side of design and retail, as I shared earlier, for the last uh, sixteen years, you know, working and delivering across segments, there was a there was a very strong urge to go back to roots, to go back to uh, and and I think that that inner sound board was uh, really hounding mm-hmm. and yeah there was a rude awakening uh, i would say on the on the 16th year which is where i realized that you know i missed out on uh, seeing my child grow for a few years because i was so engrossed what i was doing mm-hmm. and i said i need to draw a line i need to understand how do you do a work life balance and not saying that it was not there at that point of time but i wanted to keep it more fluid i wanted to keep it a little more covalent mm-hmm. and uh, hence thought that you know i need to get back to my roots with my maternal roots uh, very strongly instilled in my creative space i was like let's start um, with uh, beauty basing it on the core values that i grew up with which is all about being resilient all about being resolving all about being imaginative and having that appetite to return having that appetite to reform so hence house of beauty um, was a very natural progression and uh, beauty means be original where bi is the phonetic of be wow okay so, that's and then how did you choose the market you know uh, so coming to the practical side what made you choose a particular market for it what 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 i think uh, you know you we are very fortunate that in you know we are in a place where the population uh, especially in uae is ever transient it's very agile it's very inclusive we have more than 200 nationalities so i think uh, from that aspect it worked as a perfect pitch platform to you know take on a sustainable brand and it came at a time the brand is 4 years old karishma so it came at a time when sustainability was at uh, at a very uh, picking up stage even as one of the strong pointers for the country mm-hmm. there was a lot of there is and there was a lot of focus on uh, bringing forward people and and ideas and initiatives revolving around sustainability so it kind of fitted the bracket very beautifully as an artisan led brand and especially because of the history that you've had with you know artisans tell me something that people don't know about the process that people need to be aware of the responsible business practices begins right at the design phase with mm. the materials that we choose to work with with the metal that we work with the kind of mining process that we are adhering to in terms of sourcing that metal so there's a lot of ethical sourcing that happens on that front to how we craft the product how we distribute the product how we sell the product and um and how at the end of the day we are communicating that product so that whole aspect of a very uh, thought through creative sustainable process starts right from the inception and every design that one sees in beauty has a story inked to its material to its metal to its origin which is fascinating because mm. you know to be able to design and create jewelry with natural eco friendly sustainable materials without any uh, alterations to their shape 
texture color it gives the most incredible fulfillment i would say you know and uh, and it gives a very definitive purpose to what you're doing and why you are doing when you're trying to keep all of this uh, on your shoulders it's very different from operating like the other brands so what are the kind of challenges and how do you deal with it on a personal level having that constant uh, thinking in your head that you are developing a brand and you're not developing a business because your approach to developing a brand versus approach to developing a business are two very different things and the initial few years you cannot have the ball rolling in in equal quantum on both the areas you will have to take that call and at our end it is a very conscious call that we are building in a brand that to a sustainable brand that to a sustainable jewelry brand now the battle is uh, that when it comes to a sustainable product offering people even now they i think have a larger appetite towards sustainable clothing and not so much towards sustainable jewelry yeah. the understanding on jewelry is either it is imitation or it is fine jewelry Yeah. whereas in technical nomenclature there is uh, fine jewelry there is imitation jewelry and there is sustainable jewelry so getting that difference out that how different is sustainable jewelry between an imitation and a fine jewelry and what is the need of creating this particular segment to thrive in the market i think that is a constant struggle Mm-hmm. and that is something that we are dealing with at a day in day out level i mean for a layman to understand the difference between an imitation and a sustainable is that imitation is all about cheap and cheerful metal cheap and cheerful bling you know and it you buy it today it wears off after 3 months and it doesn't pinch your pocket and you're out with it whereas a sustainable jewelry is something where you from starting you work with say the cold metals either it could be the silver or it could be the brass you work with semi precious natural stones you don't chip chop alter the color texture of the stones now if you think of it from a pure customer point of view these sort of things you will not want to wear on a gold because no point wearing an amethyst or a topaz in gold unless until it's a birthstone phenomena that you're wanting to take forward hmm. so it makes perfect sense to do those things in a sustainable format using the right kind of metal that's where this jewelry plays a very important segment and this is not a knowledge that is commonly available exactly that's no, but this is in the books that means that sustainable jewelry is a form of jewelry that exists when you when you study about jewelry and all of that correct 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 so that is a struggle uh, as an entrepreneur as a design person that you know whenever a collection goes out uh, or comes out we tend to do a lot of um, communication on terms of why we did what we did how we did what we did and you know what so that at least in our own little ways in our own baby steps that awareness is um, you know going from one to the other having been behind a jewelry brand and having specialized in the field as well how do you think sourcing or how do you think uh, the business has kind of evolved over the years that's a very interesting question and i'm glad you're bringing it at a time when the average consumer is really changing see uh, why the average shopper may not be aware of all the details behind the product or uh, the mindsets or but i would say definitely the mindsets are beginning to shift mm-hmm. because you know on one hand people uh, want a good deal on their investment they want to make it in terms of design quality look feel on the other hand they also want to have an assurance that the same is not being done at the cost of uh, you know trashing the environment or affecting or affecting someone's life or someone's well being 
Yeah. Uh, be it in fine jewelry or uh, fashion, shoppers have become more discerning, appreciating design, appreciating craftsmanship, and the uniqueness rather than something which is very ostentatious display of yeah. demonstrate status, which I think is a great sh uh, shift in mind. And to me, as long as the consumers continue to ask, the responsible jewelry options will continue to grow. Traditionally, most jewelry pieces have been made either using high quality metals mm -hmm. or they have been made uh, you know, with uh, uh, inexpensive materials, such as the non-precious ones. The lines, I would say gradually are becoming blurred with more jewelry combining some precious stones and pearls and gems with natural metals. And with the rise of a larger middle class, I think this the, the demand of this type of jewelry is only going to grow further as we move. So you think the larger middle class is the kind of the audience that is? It's the kind of audience who are, I would say, uh, they form the larger base because they understand the value, they understand the whole thing of giving back. Not saying that the elite are not, but the elite, I think they're still kind of contemplating of whether to demonstrate uh, status by wearing something which is more authentic bling or should they be focusing on something which is, you know, crafted with love. And tell me three things you think one must know. Three things before they kind of buy something artisan-led or sustainable jewelry. For starters, learn about the brand. It's very mm -hmm. important to ask the right questions. It is, you will notice how good you feel about your purchase when you actually know that something ecological, something ethical has been done uh, with that product, behind that product. You know, you have a constant, sat like an instant satisfaction uh, meter that comes in. Second is, please get rid of your one-year wonders and that habit of just constant shopping, I think, which is something that most of the women we suffer. Yeah. Please buy less, yeah. as this is a buy less, but buy good quality. Good quality, well-made jewelry, which is crafted with love. Pay attention to the material. Please pay attention to packaging and the overall customer experience, which is very important. Um, the three tips that I would like to probably give to a growing, um, I mean, uh, to the growing audience is that apart from asking the right questions and knowing the material, it is always important to uh, ask for wash care because ask for care because when you understand, when you ask the questions on care, it will automatically lead you to the origin of the material, which will also further authenticate the source for you to know what the piece is all about. Say for somebody like me, when, when do you think you, is the right time to kind of make that shift? Honestly, you are never prepared. Yeah. You will never feel that you're prepared to take that plunge. But the point is, you have to take that plunge. And there's never the right time. Trust me, even if you take the plunge after 20 years of working, it may not be the right time. You just have to follow your gut, take the plunge and give it your best shot and uh, leave it at that. At least uh, inside you, you will not have that feel that, shit, I didn't give it a shot. And more power to you for doing that. I think it's been- Thank lovely. you so much. It was, it was amazing being on your uh, platform. Absolutely. Uh, Sharon has been raving about your platform. So yeah, thanks to her that she introduced us. Thank you. Thank you for making time. It's been a pleasure to have you on board. And even just, you know, it's on a personal note to just get to know your journey. Thank you so much for all of that. Thank you. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, then do give us a follow and tune into our next episode as well. If you wish to watch the videos on YouTube, you can check them out at Karishma Connect and give us a follow on Instagram at Karishma Vallathe. Thank you again.